The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the Cinema Gold Show. I'm your host, Larry Lease. Today we're diving into the latest box office news, movie news, and streaming news from around the industry. Welcome to the Cinema Gold Show. I'm your host, Larry Lease. And on today's episode, we're going to dive into the box office numbers and headlines from around the industry. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Pondex, for sponsoring this episode. If you're a fan of, fan of podcasts or looking to grow your own podcast, check out Pondex today at Pondex.com. Use the promo code of Larry21 to save you 10% off your order. And of course, you can find us on all major social media platforms. Just search Cinema Gold Show. And now on to our first topic, the Super Mario Brothers movie had a phenomenal second box office weekend and did something no other 2023 blockbuster has done. The Super Mario Mario Brothers movie most definitely crushed it in its opening weekend, but its remarkable success is not just being limited to what can be written off as a front load start. While all of the biggest hits of the year thus far have dealt with a weekend weekend drop over 50% 50% following their debuts, the Nintendo feature has broken from that pattern. Since the return of moving going after COVID-19 pandemic, pandemic shut down cinemas worldwide, a big problem facing blockbusters has been a repeating pattern of big openings followed by big drops, a result of the shrinking window between theatrical release and streaming home video debut. The films released by Marvel Studios, for example, have made headlines because of their weekend to weekend issues since 2021's Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania falling 70% earlier this year. But the Super Mario Brothers movie has impressed by only dropping 41% compared to the numbers from its first Friday to Sunday. The new movie, based on the Nintendo franchise, had a record-breaking 146.4 million domestic debut opening in the first weekend of March, and then it's followed up that performance by adding another 87 million ticket sales since Friday. That drop is even smaller than what Michael B. Jordan's Creed 3 did in early March, and all the more impressive because the numbers are much bigger. The blockbuster has already become the biggest box office hit of the young year, having made 347.8 million, second place belonging to Ant-Man and the Wasp at Quantum Media. 
not only is the Super Mario Brothers movie the biggest movie of the year so far domestically, but it has also earned that title, title globally. It's made $678 million thus far, putting itself ahead of Full River Red, which made nearly all of its $673 million during its theatrical run in China. In addition to performing well in the U.S., the video game adaptation, according to the numbers, made $28 million in Mexico, $13 million in China, almost $20 million in the U.K., uh, $17.5 million in Germany, $13 million in France, and it will not get a theatrical release in Japan, the home of Nintendo, until the end of the month. As we will discuss uh, further very soon, what makes the success of the Super Mario Bros. movie in the last three days particularly notable is that it was accomplished during a very crowded week at the box office. Multiple new releases hit theaters, including... Uh, Renfield and the big franchise titles of March, including John Wick Chapter 4 and Scream 6, are still selling tickets. The Super Mario Brothers movie, however, is really the only title aiming at young kids, and as a result, it was able to dominate the top 10. And now that the big test of the week and is out of the way, it may continue to dominate for the rest of the month. There are certainly some interesting titles set to be released in April, but it's likely that the animated hit will retain its position as the number one movie in America until the arrival of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 in May. As far as studio scheduling is concerned, there were a few questionable decisions made this past weekend. For starters, there's a suggestion that the draw of the Super Mario Brothers was underestimated as the week following a major blockbuster release is typically lacking in major releases. And as for the films that were put in head-to-head -head competition, like we mentioned, Renfield and The Pope's Exorcist are both R-rated horror titles aimed at the same demographics. The end result of these questionable logistical decisions, no title other than Super Mario Brothers, was able to make over eight figures. The Pope's Exorcist was the most successful of the non-Mario group, making an estimated $9.2 though it's still short of hitting its reported budget of $18 million. It's not a great outcome, but it is better than Renfield's situation. The movie received a mostly positive response from critics, particularly highlighting the performance by Nicolas Cage, but it only brought in $7.8 during its first three days of theatrical release, and it's a feature that was made with a $65 million budget. We'll see what happens with these titles in the weeks ahead, but for now we're just left wondering if both films could have better success if held for release in the fall during spooky season. I'll lastly highlight the performance by Ari Aster's uh, Bo is Afraid this past weekend. Though you'll note that the title is absent from the top 10, this is because it only managed to make 320000 That probably doesn't look like a lot in box office terms, but what makes that number stand out is the fact that it's ticket sales from just four locations. Bo is Afraid is the follow-up to Hereditary and Midsommar, and was given a very small debut in New York and Los Angeles. And the end result is a new indie record for the year. The movie made a stunning 80000 per theater, which is actually the second biggest average ever put up by an A24 release following Uncapped Gems on five screens in December 2019. How will the film do when it goes nationwide starting on Friday? It's hard to say, especially because it has been getting an extremely polarized response from critics and audiences.
In addition to Bo is Afraid, this upcoming Friday we'll also see the arrival of Lee Cronin's Evil Dead Rise, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, and Stephen Williams' Chevalier. Be sure to head back here next Sunday to learn what they end up placing in the top 10. And before we move on to our next topic, let us know your thoughts in the comment section below. What did you think of this week's box office numbers? Was there any surprises that you saw besides uh, Mario Brothers? And to recap for the top 10, starting out at number 1 was the Super Mario Brothers, followed by The Pope's Exorcist, then John Wick Chapter 4, Renfield at number 4, Air at number 5, 6 at number Dungeons and Dragons, Number seven is Suzume. Number eight is Mafia Mama. Number nine is Scream Six. And ten is Nefarious. And now on to our next topic. Netflix is eyeing a director for its U.S. version of the Squid Game. Reports of a U.S. version of Squid Game have been swirling for some time. But according to Above the Line's Jeff Snyder, Netflix already has eyes on a director. In a recent tweet, Snyder mentioned that Netflix is courting Dave, director David Fincher to produce and direct the American version of Squid Game. Snyder went on to mention that it's unclear whether or not Fincher is even interested in the project, but Netflix has their eyes set on him and wants him to handle it. Previous reports from Snyder suggested that Netflix was interested in making an American version of the show, although Snyder noted that he didn't know what a U.S. version of Squid Game would look like. However, he did mention that some audiences' insistence on not watching foreign language properties is another thing that could make Netflix lean into remaking the series. Squid Game centers around a group of 456 cash-strapped players who accepted a strange invitation to compete in children's games at a remote island in hopes of winning $456 billion. However, they'll soon find out that the prize comes with deadly high stakes. Let us know your thoughts on uh, a possible Squid Game version for the U.S. Were you a fan of it? Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Do you think it'll work? I honestly... I don't think it really will. Just... I feel like U.S. remakes of foreign shows have been kind of a hit and miss. Like the biggest one of all, I think, is The Office. And you can debate whether one's better than the other. But there were moments in the U.S. version of The Office that I think didn't work compared to the British version. Let us know. 
And now on to the next topic. Sonic the Hedgehog spin-off series Knuckles is speeding into production. The cinematic world of Sonic the Hedgehog continues to expand as production begins with a television spin-off focused on Knuckles, the explosive character voiced by Idris Elba. After being introduced to Sonic and his friends during the events of Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Knuckles is set to live out his own adventures, where he'll get to know his own group of secondary characters before the franchise returns to the big screen next year. Behind the scenes, some familiar faces will be returning to this world as the same crew that has worked on the two movies will also be a part of this spinoff. Jeff Haller, who has stepped behind the camera for both the Sonic Hedgehog movies, will be in charge of directing the pilot episode of Knuckles, telling the story of the protagonist on a hilarious and action-packed journey of self-discovery, as he agrees to train Wade, played by Adam Pauly, as his protege and teach him the ways of the Kidna Warrior. Other cast members that will be joining the fun is Julian Barrett, Scott Muscuti, Ellie Taylor, and Rory McCann. Since production for the series began last month, it is possible that it will be launched on the platform before the third Sonic movie races in the theaters. While the first Sonic movie hit the big screen a few weeks before the pandemic caused movie theaters to be closed for more than a year, it still managed to be successful at the box office before the lockdown added to a good performance on digital platforms some time after that. The results made Paramount confident in developing a sequel, which would be released two years after the adaptation introduced the world to this version of the lovable character. When the second installment was also very profitable, the studio realized they had a franchise in their hands, which was a perfect candidate for expansion across different media. When a studio is in control of an intellectual property with years' worth of material they can explore, it is expected for them to try and develop as much content as they can. But since the crew behind the site, movies in the upcoming Knuckles television series, has proved through their work that they deeply care about the characters and they won't create a project solely with the intention of expanding the franchise. For now, there's only the third Sonic installment coming to theaters December 20th, 2024 on the horizon. If the upcoming projects continue to be a success for Paramount and Sega, don't be surprised if the lovable Hedgehog and his friends return for more adventures. After all, Sonic the Hedgehog 3 is going to have some tough competition. And now we are going to give our review of Super Mario Brothers movie. From its cheesy nostalgia plays to its breathtaking and imaginative visuals, Universal's new movie is everything a video game adaptation should be. The most delightful part of Nintendo's entire Mario franchise is how despite all their decades of conflicts in various video games, Mario, Bowser, Peach, and the rest of their crew have really always been a troop of actors putting on whimsical stage plays for a captive audience. That idea alone isn't exactly what defines Universal and Illumination's new movie. But much in the same way, Super Mario Bros. 3's ending invited players to think about and appreciate it as being more than just a video game. The Super Mario Bros. movie plays like a magical celebration of how this franchise has evolved. For years after the first live-action Super Mario Bros. movie debuted in theaters and immediately bombed at box office, it seemed as if the studio wanted nothing more than to leave the entire endeavor in the past steer clear of trying to make movies. But one of the more intriguing things about Universal's new feature 
a co-production between Nintendo and Illumination, is how effectively it manages to weave together so many iconic elements from the franchise's bigger outings. Like the 90s movie, Mario Kart and the Donkey Kong games into a story that's equal parts nostalgic and reflective of the franchise's future. In addition to being generally a good guy who knows a thing or two about pipes, Mario, played by Chris Pratt and Luigi, played by Charlie Day, are also introduced as Brooklyn Knights and small business owners trying to make a name for themselves in the film's opening scene. As adults and the two youngest members of their surprisingly large family, both of the brothers know how crushing it can be to come home every day with nothing but incessant criticism. But at the heart of Mario and Luigi's bond is also the mutual understanding that so long as the two of them stick together, there's little they can accomplish. That attitude's what gets the brothers up every morning and inspires them to go out into the world in search of bill-paying gigs. But it's also why they're both so game when they unexpectedly get sucked into the adventure of a lifetime by way of a mysterious green pipe in somewhere deep in New York City's sewer system. Because it's so dense, with painstakingly crafted details meant to spark joy from the jump, it's hard to pinpoint exactly when the movie's intangible magic, the general feeling, rather than the movie's actual magic, first kicks in. But as the Mario Brothers jump, flip, and twirl their way across town on foot in an early action sequence, styled after the classic Mario side-scrollers, you can immediately get a sense of just how serious the movie is about translating the essence of its source material into something that feels familiar, but also like its own distinct quantity. This ends up being the case with most of the Super Mario Bros. movies' complex set pieces, which doesn't come, to a, come as a surprise given Illumination's track record and Nintendo's reputation for being extremely protective of its brands. What does come as something of a shock, though, is how genuinely inoffensive Pratt and Dave's take on Mario and Luigi are. A concern that movie addresses head-on with some solemn gags and textual explanation as to why Mario occasionally sounds like he might have spent some time in Pawnee, Indiana. As much information about the movie as the film lays out before their uh, journey across the galaxy, it's far more reserved about others like Bowser, played by Jack Black, and his sorcerer, Gamak, played by Kevin Michael Richardson, who serve as hemi villain foils to the Mushroom Kingdom's Princess Peach, played by Anya Taylor Joy, and her loyal subject Toad, played by Keegan Michael Key. If you've played through the games like Super Mario World or Super Mario Odyssey, then the general shape of the movie's plot will be obvious from the moment you first hear why Bowser is so hell bent on getting his hands on a certain star shaped MacGuffin. The movie works through because as it's building towards its logical and very traditional Mario kind of ending, it uses every possible opportunity it has to make its various fantastical worlds feel like living, breathing, organic places that you'd want to spend hours exploring, if they were part of an open-world video game. It's cool as hell every single time someone's outfit transforms after they ingest mushroom power-ups. But it's things like being able to see each of the individual seeds on a fire flower's face flicking like a candle, that really make you appreciate how hard the movie's working to get things right. At times it almost feels like Illumination might have gone overboard in terms of dotting its I's and crossing its T's for a movie that moves incredible fast and consistently has the air of something that's been crafted with children prone to rewatching the same thing in mind. 
but it's just as easy to interpret those things about the film as signs of how much more immersive and engaging Nintendo plans for its Mario theme park and future games to be. Watching the Super Mario Brothers movie, it's impossible not to imagine what it might be like one day to play a game as visually rich running on hardware that puts current gen Nintendo Switch to shame. That's probably part of the reason the movie exists. But as big budget commercials for video games and consoles go, the Super Mario Brothers movie is going to be undefeated for quite some time. Let us know your thoughts in the comment section below. What did you think of uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie? Are you a fan of it? Are you? Or what would you say for a sequel? Like, what character would you feature in a upcoming film if they did a sequel? Let us know. And as always, thank you so much for watching and listening. If you want to support the channel, buy us coffee at buymeacoffee.com/cinemagold. And until next time, take care. You have been watching the Cinema Gold Show. Follow us on Twitter at Cinema Gold Show. Find us on Instagram at The Cinema Gold Show. And on Facebook. Facebook.com slash The Cinema Gold Show.